0: I say TBP should find Facebook for our own PTSD of having to talk about them all the time. It's Wednesday, November 25th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news, headlines, and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with myself, Aaron Buley, Tyler Gates, and Russ Kentwell. How's it going, fellas? Going good.
1: It's going great. What's up? Oh, my coffee's delicious this morning. I've got my stretches in right now. Ah,
2: okay, yeah. then. That feels right. All right. You know, this day in history was pretty boring. Basically, either nothing happened, or none of our sites have been updated to tell us that something happened.
1: Uh, but it's there's there a fun fact
2: from yesterday.
1: Too many, too many days. Too many days historically. I mean, what? We, there just aren't enough days in the year for something interesting to not have happened on the twenty fifth of November.
2: I the don't of know history. what you just said but I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say that November 24th, which was uh, it was actually yesterday because it's 25th. It's actually pretty consistent how that works out in the calendar every year. Pretty, pretty consistent. November 24th, 1998, AOL announced that it would buy Netscape Communications uh, in a stock for stock deal worth approximately, who wants to guess how many, how many dollars? 400. <laughs> uh, it was higher. Not much, but it was, it was higher. There was a four in it. Uh, 4.2 billion.
0: Wait, did I say million?
2: Billion? Billion with a B. It's a little B here, but I think they meant a big B. Um, (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, 4.2 billion. At the time, it was considered a move by AOL and Netscape to merge forces to better compete with Microsoft in the browser and Internet Explorer markets. Um, however, Microsoft's success. dominance. <laughs> yes, ah. success. <laughs> it worked out so well. <laughs> however, Microsoft's dominance in the personal computer market could not be stopped. And the Netscape browser lost almost all market share to Internet Explorer in 2003. And then Microsoft ended up settling a monopoly lawsuit with AOL, uh, then merged with Time Warner for $750 million. Uh, Over the loss of value of Netscape. So basically Microsoft with its monopoly power devalued Netscape had to pay for it. But uh, Microsoft seems to be doing just fine after paying that 750 mil. I don't think they're in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a perfect segue into one of the news articles you guys dropped into the show notes, which was uh, Facebook's fine in South Korea. Oh, yeah, they're like $6.1 million. (laughs) There's no way they recover from this. Yeah. Do they even know that they got fined? Or is it just like that story from last year where the guy was charging Apple and Google, you know, like $50,000 you know, just sending him POs or, or requests for payment and ended up extracting like $2.3 million in in payments that he did no work for. South Korea just did that to Facebook.
2: Yeah, I, I think this <laughs> is like that, that one where I, I don't know which country it was, but they were saying that you needed to have some form of local representation or you were going to be fined like $35. This is basically the same scenario here. I don't actually know why it's happening, but it's one that I'm pretty sure that Facebook just doesn't care about.
0: This is uh, Dr. Evil mixing up uh, millions, billions, and trillions here. I'm pretty <laughs>
2: sure they meant to ask for
0: more money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I get, Did we even state the reason? Um, the reason was no, for sharing like, user data without consent. So for, for all the people who are wondering, like, why the heck were they fined such an enormous amount of money? Uh, it was for sharing user data, which is a, a thing that they do, I'm pretty sure, on a, a, a daily basis. Yeah. So
1: I, I feel like without consent, isn't it in their EULA, like you are belong to us? Or yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure that's exactly the what they're going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shared 3.3 million users data. So that's actually, that's a lot of people for the very little amount of money <laughs> They they do not clearly these people's data
2: is not it's that highly valued. Yeah,
0: two dollars per person is what I'm reading. there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's at the low low price, I'm curious if it sets some kind of precedent. Um, this seems like the kind of thing that wouldn't be worth fighting for a company like Facebook. But I guess you got six million dollars of yeah. legal funds. <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know exactly I, how a company like Facebook. Decides whether or not. Like, what's the economic decision model for even fighting something like this? I say
0: TBP should find Facebook for our own PTSD of having to talk about them all the time. Yeah, I think we can do that. How much we do you think we want? should find them? Three million. Well, it's a, they they got six million here. Although that's a whole country, though. Mm. <laughs> okay, let's move, <laughs> let's move on. All right, here's one I'm I'm pretty no excited about. Comment. So, uh, SpaceX they are preparing for Starship SN8 prototype, high altitude test flight. Uh, So they've been doing a bunch of static engine fire tests where they launch or not launch, but they fire up those Raptor engines for a minute just to make sure they go from, uh, you know, kind of cold to to burning and then then shut them off. But they are ready after they've done a couple of uh, 150 meter hops this summer. Uh, They did one with the SN5 in August and one with the SN6 in September, both of those using only one Raptor engine. This will be with SN8, right? So different names, different, they're building a bunch of these, right? And this one is going to happen on, uh, it looks like Monday the 30th, and this will actually use three Raptor engines. They're going to take it up into the stratosphere, outside of the troposphere, right? Troposphere is where we live, the lowest layer. And then uh, just for everyone to kind of get their minds in the right, you know, kind of altitude level, this will... Attempt an altitude of 15,000 meters, so that's nine and some change miles up. By comparison, a typical commercial jet flies at about 10,000 meters, so about 6.2 miles up.
2: I, I can't help but every time you say Raptor engine, the thing that I picture in my mind is the Ford Raptor. Uh, which is the most That's awesome what they're truck? Using. That it's exists. three of those. It's three of those. Okay, three that guys. actually makes a lot more sense to me. So I actually think this will be successful then. At first, I didn't yeah. think it was going to work, but now that I know it's being powered by Ford Raptors, uh,
1: I feel extremely I mean, confident that this is <laughs> going to work. To be fair, out. if if you propelled a Ford Raptor out hard enough, it would probably accomplish the goal. In fact, well. I'm certain it would. If you what? If you propelled propelled it out fast enough, if you launched a Ford Raptor out of the the bottom of another vehicle, oh yeah, fast enough, you would probably achieve the same goal. Now, I I would actually argue that that is a more serious feat than doing so with you know solid boosters and rocket fuel of other varieties, but still physically something I think we should investigate. That
2: one will be wild to see. That one's gonna be really cool. I'm certain Elon's working on that one too.
1: I, yeah <laughs> I hope so uh, maybe no uh, space junk I think with his uh, with his Tesla venture uh, he's probably pretty feisty when it comes to Ford
2: um, yeah but what? he would be launching it in a very destructive fashion I mean, It'd be right up his alley. I
1: feel like this. I that's true. That's true. Um, and he could probably do it with some of his 128 billions of dollars. That are just oh yeah, he just became now. the second Since richest person. He
2: gained second, a, what did he right. gain? A hundred billion dollars of wealth this year. Was that yeah? The oh, this year was huge. I didn't see he, the number. He got
1: he got yeah, seven he billion, Bill like seven to seven and a half billion. I forget what the actual decimal was. Um, on the news that uh tesla was going to be added to the s&p 500 so in the matter of weeks solid picked up another seven Um, this year obviously has been huge for tesla in general but i don't i don't know what the year to date gain in his wealth is um i I think i saw that on the twitter just the last seven uh that's a lot yeah do i got a question about the um the starship high altitude test flights what um Do you know what the planned payload is? Or is this another vehicle for delivering satellites into orbit, and it's just supposed to be for larger no. payloads? What I don't know what it. No. I don't know. So Starship, Starship is the whole. Uh, it's the whole concept of
0: getting to Mars.
1: Oh, okay, okay. I I crossed my my SpaceX terms then. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so in 2021, so they've been, this is all happening in uh, Boco Chica, Texas, by the way, right? So this all happened in, it started out in April of 2019 with Star Hopper, and then they moved to um, Starship, but they've been doing these just really small jumps, right? The very first one in early 2019 was about a one meter jump, three feet, right? And then they did a 20 meter jump and then 102, no, sorry, 350 meter jumps in August uh, two in August and one in September this year. And then they're going to do a 9.3 mile or 15K uh, kilometer jump um, here on Monday. In 2021, uh, they plan on doing its first orbital flight. 2022, they plan on trying to get to the moon, right? And then by 2024, uh, potential cargo flights to Mars. 2027, potential crewed flight to Mars. Cool. That's the whole wow, premise
1: 2027. Here. That is so so, so I should mark on my calendar 2027 for one of my one of my stock regrets in life. I've got a few. <laughs> always looking back. That's, <laughs> that's going to be one of them, right there. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, no, that's what Space, it is. SpaceX is very generous, or at least they used to be, with um, the stock options or RSU grants for new employees. And I looked at working at SpaceX when I left aerospace and came to. Uh, Came to actually EMC and joined the tech industry, but um, they were on a short list. I, I actually got through. I was supposed to go fly out and meet him for a face to face interview, which is a fair bit down that path. And um, the the claim from Musk is that they will go public. SpaceX will go public only when they send people to Mars. That's really close. If if that if that timeline holds, that's less than a decade. That's awesome. And I'm going to be popping champagne and crying.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's still time for you to change your career again, Tyler.
1: <laughs> F that.
0: So speaking of, <laughs> uh, speaking of your career in uh, aviation, um, what am I trying to say? Aeronautics, planes, jets, Launch. fighter pilots, stuff like that. Yeah. Speaking of all that, it reminded me of your, uh, your chicken cannon against the fighter jet canopy Um, testing area at the facility you worked at. When I saw, I don't know if you saw the tweet I sent out yesterday. This was, I'm looking at a dog collar and the facts, the tech specs about it, tech features on Amazon. One of them listed impact resistant to 5,000 Gs. Wow. I immediately thought
1: of your chicken cannon. That's, yeah. (laughs) Man, and and that chicken cannon was one of my favorite stories. So this is actually when I worked out at uh, Lockheed Martin's facility in the west side of Fort Worth on a joint reserve base out there, they have uh, canopy testing. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a facility. It's actually like nestled between buildings, but it, it is quite literally a giant vacuum cannon where yeah. they fire uh, birds at canopies. So they put it inside basically this plexiglass, just, you know, enclosure, the canopy that is on a mount. And then they fire birds in different stages, right? Because the the customer, the government has uh, specific requirements for what bird strikes need to <laughs> do they look start with like, the and eggs. how they need to function. No, no. Eggs and move up to the chicks. <laughs> no, don't think they ever do eggs, eggs, but they'll do stuff like uh, frozen turkey, and then they'll thaw it and they'll put it in there. But one of the last tests is actually supposed to be effectively a lot live bird strike. So they, I think they they do. Well, not. I think they actually will kill a bird. Uh, right before they put it into the vacuum cannon, it's automatically ruptures the the side that you go look up. It's kind of the same concept of you can make vacuum cannons at home too. You just have a membrane on both sides. It's, it's cool stuff to look it up. But um, the, the birds come out of that cannon moving faster than the speed of sound, which makes sense when you think about like, what you're trying to get yeah, flying is faster. into a bird and and jets that are capable of flying faster than this beyond of sound 1. at at yeah. well but also close to the ground reasonably um yeah. which is not every jet out there right but um it's still ridiculous because it you get a sonic boom from a bird and then it runs into something at very, very high speeds, and the noise and the feathers, and it—it it is hilarious and amazing, and it's actually really cool to see the really, really uh, high frame rate, you know, effectively slow motion of watching a bird hit glass. In this case, it was F thirty five canopy testing, and the F thirty five canopy actually has explosives that line it, so it doesn't. If you remember, like Top Gun when the can if you remember top off. gun what are you talking I, about I dude yes I, how, how dare me? you <laughs> i mean i don't know how you could forget goose dying in top gun but you know how the canopy rips backwards off it explodes off so that's that's a kind of an old school way of doing it if you will um still super common if i'm not mistaken in lots of uh aircraft well it was 1986 right but we still do this like a lot of aircraft work that way they don't tend to do major changes to canopy design uh I I mean, it happens. But anyways, the F-35, in in an attempt to make it even faster for a pilot to get out, actually has like an I of explosives, an I like the letter I, capital I, sort of stamped on the top. So there's a seam down the middle of it. And then there are, there used to be, at least, I don't know if this has changed, it's possible. Then there are two other seams. And the canopy explodes, the glass basically just explodes out. And the pilot from the ejection seat goes through that, and I got to see early tests of it too. And just watching, like, you know, dummies basically just hitting a field of glass at extreme G's, it was it was bad. That seems. <laughs> so that it took a long, long time to get there. But now, I don't know uh, what the final numbers were, but I think they can eject a pilot out of an F thirty five cockpit in something like one point eight or one point nine seconds from pull to full fully clear like completely out of the aircraft which is wildly how fast. many g's is that oh it's it's an insane number i forget i, I want to say it's over nine um i, I want to oh say it's, it's even higher than that the ejections in in aircraft like that are never mind that that usually means the aircraft is scrap at that point right so something right. something terrible has happened they're probably going to be investigating what happened pilot error that sort of stuff so your likelihood of hopping right back into a jet is pretty low to begin with but um jet ejection seats are so intense that they actually have profound and significant impacts or or profound and, and uh, measurable impacts on bone density and other like physical function of pilots bodies right it's it's that much of a force that um, if you, if you end up having to do it just a few times, it's likely that you're going to have like major physical issues going forward in your life. And, and yeah, they don't, they don't usually let you Compressed fly. to nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but I remember, and I guess I never looked this up outside of it, but it was in a session at Lockheed because it was really neat. We had access to all kinds of crazy training internally. And one of them was talking about this stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the proctor in that class, or Proctor's the wrong word, the guy that was teaching it, um, actually said that that the bone density of pilots that eject changes measurably every time it happens. And, like, if you had to do it a third time, it would just kill you, even if you were otherwise physically good to go. I, I don't know. I never Googled it after that. But I still fascinating. And crazy Gs. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it makes me wonder, too, if the plane is already pulling Gs, right,
1: and then you stack that on top of it anyway I, would all, I guess that would depend on where you were headed i mean they'd have to marry those forces up that would probably yeah, exactly. be bad if, like, I mean, you if were, you're, if you're pulling like a, up if you're doing a 6g turn and you had to evacuate I, that would
0: that could be really well, what if you're in a negative <laughs> inverted 4g with a mig <laughs> within three meters oh yeah i was <laughs> there react. i've got, got a great polaroid up. of it <laughs> <laughs> okay we need to move on yeah we should uh,
1: <laughs> sorry i went down a rabbit hole techniques. there
0: not so good what what tech news we got here um twitter is talking about relaunching account verifications Same so it. stand by stand by
1: what does that mean yeah
0: did you see that did they, did they stop
1: it I'm i just sorry. saw yeah, from don't. you
2: on twitter ironically yeah. i don't know if it was like an inception tweet or or what but it was Twitter what? about twitter i saw you retweeting it on twitter oh yeah the story yeah, yeah. twitter <laughs> about twitter on yeah. twitter
0: Ugh. Right? It's weird. Too many so ways, they stopped man. in November of 2017 because they verified a white supremacist that went on and did some bad stuff. And everyone was like, "Uh, what the hell, Twitter? And they're like, mm, yeah, we're going to stop verifying people. <coughs> and then they just kind of never got their act back together on it. Uh, but now they're actually, this is a welcome surprise. They wrote out a policy, a draft policy, and then they tweeted out, hey, give us your feedback. What do what you, do you think, think about this? this? Yeah, exactly. Before we implement it, which is, huh, who would have thought? Good move, Twitter. Um, <laughs> but they're they're going to specifically go after uh, verifying. They're also going to go and remove verification from uh, accounts that have incomplete profiles or are no longer active, all that kind of stuff. They're going to clean house a little bit, too. But um, they want to go after news organizations. Uh, let's see. Uh, where is the list? Um, government officials... Um, company brands, nonprofit organizations, news, entertainment, sports, activists, uh, organizers, and other influential individuals, etc. So,
1: none Already of that is Twitter. Us,
0: <laughs> none, none, of, none of us have a Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's easy the, to fix. kind of yeah, right. Go <laughs> go write yourself a Wikipedia page. It gets deleted. When uh, <laughs> when my wife was published after her master's uh, degree, I went and created a Wikipedia page for her, and then it got taken down. I was like, oh, it's a
2: lot terrible. of work just down the drain. Right. So how do you guys anyway. feel about Comcast and the data caps? Cause we talked so I, about this I recently. I generally
1: hate Comcast. I don't think before that was feel... something vile in the news. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I,
2: I just saw there was a, a, a conversation going on on Twitter. I think John I was involved in it. Another person that I, I didn't know Sean O'Dell was in it. And, uh, they were going back and forth over it. And I think the data cap is like,
1: uh, what was it? Was it 1. 1. 1.2 2 terabytes? terabytes? Yeah. Something Up like that. The previous cap of one terabyte. <clears throat> reading that correctly.
2: Yeah, it, it, it sort of came down to this, uh, I, I guess, the contrarian argument that I think I was seeing. Because most people are basically, you know, most people would argue this is dumb. Get rid of it. Yada, yada, yada. The contrarian argument was there were two. It was two sided. One was either one. Most people don't hit this yet, and you yet. know, once once 4K streaming becomes a bigger deal, I, I actually put in a stat that was I. I think the bigger threat to to this is going to be people who are using game streaming services. I mean, it's like yeah. 20, 20 gigs an hour, and
1: yeah. So it, it's, it, mm. I, oh, it's dude. this. It's a money grab, Sorry. which they openly admit. Right. Like they they literally dropped the caps for the beginning of the pandemic because everybody was going from going home or working from home and and doing life from home. So they said, hey, we're going to drop these caps. uh, So so you guys aren't under more pressure effectively, which is cool. Yeah. Way to go. Comcast did something nice. They proved that it had no negative impact on quality of service. Like yep. their stuff handled it just fine,
2: which is exactly what they claimed for and years was the reason why these precisely. Existed.
1: And that's why it makes me angry. Look, if I read through it, I, I get, I get where they're coming from. They're basically saying very few users cross this threshold, so we're putting it there to. Uh, they don't use these words, but basically penalize the the overusers, which is they they're claiming about five percent of their population. And in their defense, they have an option for an unlimited, uncapped plan that's it looked like it was about thirty bucks more in these markets. But here's where I I lose it again. And it's what what do we hate more about cable companies than anything else and i'm going to answer that because i have a very specific answer and that answer is they tend to have monopolies in the local jurisdictions so yeah, you yeah, live too. in an apartment complex you only have comcast as an option you live in neighborhood xyz you only have that option or like a dsl service from at&t or something like that which isn't even high speed as far as i'm concerned anymore sorry it's actually not defined as now. it anymore anyways see that's the hilarious requirement yeah. is 25 megabits and then i take DSL it back I'm, hit it. I'm not sorry and other than rural america good luck hope starlink works out for you rural i said anyway, what i, I said care. but <laughs> but Guess where they don't have data caps with the same services? Shocker, and it's wherever they, where <laughs> yeah, yeah, wherever they exactly. have competition. So yeah, exactly. So F everything about that. Like if, if you follow the logic in these areas where they, they know that they've got their, their customers captive and there's an option to go unlimited and it just costs more and, and they're saying it's a premium, all right, I can totally get behind that argument. I think that's how most businesses function. But they've made a lot of mistakes on the PR side of this by doing things like releasing the caps proving they could handle it just fine and then coming back and just saying well we want more money so we're going to do this but it shouldn't affect you shouldn't affect you today today and then yeah, don't sound like Tyler is growled up it. at all about dude this. i just <laughs> like i don't even have to deal with this anymore <laughs> i cuz i have one of the competing functions that we we have uh, what used to be Verizon's fios in my neighborhood and I, i'm not thrilled with the quality of service generally speaking but i like the plans they're great and better than anything else, they're competitive, which is beautiful. Hmm. Anyways, I, we don't need so to get into the, the details. Yeah, yet. yeah.
0: There was something at the beginning there that you mentioned, Russ, that reminded me of the fact that one of the features in Cyberpunk 2077, whenever it comes out in 2078, yep. uh, is that you can tell the game. There's a setting where you can say, hey, I'm going to be streaming and it will not play any uh, rights managed music.
1: I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw Kinda him cool. talking about keep that I of, think about it. That's keep cool out of trouble there.
2: That is good because Twitch has explicitly, basically, came out and said, "Yeah, we don't know how to fix this. Like, we don't Ugh. know what to do." Um, I know. They, they, like basically. they've said sorry. They're like, "We're All sorry right. that you're being banned, but we we don't we we have nothing for you. Like, there's no way we can help you. We can't do anything." So, they are trying to figure that. out. It's funny you you mentioned that actually because there is another article in here. Uh. That was uh, talking about some of the the takedown stuff, the the digital rights related things. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember where it was, but it was around the, a right to fix things that I did not know existed. Uh, which is oh, the so there, no. So it says let's stand up for home hacking and repair, which we've talked about a little bit on the show before. But so for DMCA, which we all know is. Uh, the music sort of related thing that that, that we're talking Mm -hmm. about here that gets takedown requests and all this stuff. There is another section of DMCA that I've actually never heard of. So this was interesting. It's called Section 1201, uh, which created a new legal protection for DRM. And in short, any technical mechanism that makes it harder for people to access or modify copyrighted work. So the idea here is, is that suddenly manufacturers have a powerful tool for restric- restricting how their customers use their products. Meaning build a product with DRM and you can argue that it is illegal for others to modify or repair it. So that would mean like even oh, weird, like mm-hmm. physical products that have DRM... On it, So let's just pretend you have a, whatever, an MP3 player that only has 10 songs on it and that it's fixed in that and they're copyrighted in that thing breaks and you can fix it. They, they're not going to allow you like they can make that illegal. And this actually apparently happens all the time. And the way they described this was, this is the law that launched a thousand
1: crappy products Uh, because there was, there was nothing that you could do against it. So irritating. <laughs> yes. I the so my my problem with um, DRM and what happened with it is it it is organizations like this article specifically calls out the RAA, which I just mentioned a second ago, is easily one of the the easiest to hate organizations out there when it comes to DRM and DCMA takedown notices and stuff like that. But um, DRM when it when it was first implemented, a lot. Was usually tied to PC software, uh, video games in particular, and Mm -hmm. music, of course, which is where the, the RIA gets more involved, right? All it ever did was make it easier for people that were stealing it to find a way to circumvent it and make it freely available on the internet. Yep, and simultaneously make it more difficult for people that actually bought the product through the proper channel to play and access their content. Completely screwed over the legitimate user. so
0: stupid. Okay, (laughs) listeners, if y'all didn't catch that, rewind 15 seconds and listen to that statement again because I can recall like 20 years ago when this started going down thinking, we're going to look back on this at how ridiculous these rules are. But they just so didn't, they, they didn't, I guess they're just kind of dealing with what they had, didn't know what to do otherwise. So they're like, ah, we're going to lock it down, right?
2: Yeah, let me no, give you an example, a, a tangible so example that happened all the time back in, right. I call it 2005 to 2010 timeframe. So PC gaming w- was really kind of under attack, basically stating that you couldn't. You could not make money because everyone just pirated everything. Yeah. So they put in all sorts claim. of yeah. That was the claim. It was music false. industry too. <laughs> Absolutely false, but it was the claim. They uh, so they instituted various attempts at DRM. I mean, there's tons of them. The only one that's ever been any good was Steam. It's a form of DRM, yeah. and. And so what they would do is, is this was the most common thing. It was like an always-on-internet connection. So you needed to always have internet at any time to play any game, including single-player games. Well, this is the worst. in that time frame, you know, that may not be as big of a deal today, but it was a pretty it's big still deal terrible. back then. And it was, it is still terrible. So there would be a lot of situations where, you know... Hundreds of thousands of users could not play their single player game at some point in time because their internet was down, but pirated users could because they yeah. circumvented that requirement, obviously, in order to pirate the game. So the people who, once again, stole the game were getting the benefit of getting rid of these particular measures to try and stop this deal, which, by the way, usually was circumvented within hours of release, if not days before the release. <laughs> And <laughs> it, yes, abso- oh, like you God, would be yeah, able no, 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 to get no, no, a right, illegal copy you. of the game a couple days before it would release yeah, and it would have already circumvented these protections. And so those people would be able to play freely and without issue, sometimes with better performance than people who bought it legally, who had to wait longer to get the product and then couldn't play it whenever their internet, you know, took a crap. All right. So well, let's go product. Crazy managers. stuff.
0: Make the right decisions. Make the you right decision. You'd
1: think they would have learned this by now. The RIA nope, yeah. is a perfect example of like they, they fight tooth and nail to basically punish their users, the consumers of music all over all over the world, and they have seen nothing but a massive windfall from streaming services which is something they should have leaned into when they realized how easy and accessible downloadable content was. But instead they fought to try to maintain the CD industry and its normal, you know, sort of uh, locked chains. And they were simultaneously trying to fight user's abilities to play a CD with multiple people in their house. They literally sued people for yeah. stuff like this. <laughs> and I forgot about that. Oh and, my and they were trying to make it illegal for people to resell CDs. They were, they're such an oh, antiquated, hateful, that. litigious organization I have. Don't I, fight oh my the waves gosh. of change.
0: Embrace Jeez, it. Swim embrace with it. it. Innovate.
1: Go find a way to make money off of Twitch streamers using your content that doesn't abuse the creators of the content, and you will make more money and people will be happier hey no, I-, I can tell you how to do take that down notices because video
2: games do it all the time so video games have in their eulas that basically state they could they could also make you take down stuff if they wanted to but they don't they want people to see them on twitch on shroud stream in fact they pay shroud to play their game because he's going to have a hundred thousand people watching him and then it's going to get word of mouth from there it's their best form of advertisement is twitch right now in music would be no different. It's still getting exposure to all of these people, and might I might I say for free? Like they are not having wild, to pay man. for all of these people to hear their music. And all you know, I don't watch a lot of individual streamers, but I will say that a lot of them list the songs that they're playing yeah, because on the love stream, stuff. and people will yeah. go pull them and get them. So it's they absolutely it, it's crazy I- to me.
1: I do that to this day. I will see, you know, something shared on some platform, Twitter, Reddit, you name it, and it'll have some beat in the background. I'll be like, what is that? And so I'll just go stroll through the comments real quick and sure enough, somebody, you know, links to the the artist's website and you can go download the track or or what platforms it's playing on, where they are getting royalties from. It's like it's just stop. Stop fighting this so hard.
0: Yeah, it's awful. We fully, I, I get all we,
1: pissed about that.
0: Yeah, we fully <laughs> devolved into uh, what grinds my gears segment here. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I think uh, users, not users, listeners uh, care about what we're passionate about. but and, and I'm sure they're saying the same sort of thing. Did y'all see the Chappelle show uh, news I yesterday? Did. Yeah. Oh, what happened? So there's a, I don't know where else this might be, but there was a link I saw posted to Twitter that took me to Chappelle, Dave Chappelle's um, Instagram page, and he he uploaded an 18 minute segment where he talked about growing up as a kid, um, getting taken advantage of in these different situations. One time when he was like 15, uh, with uh, with like uh, a card shark on the streets, and one time when he was like. Nineteen with um, you know some older comedian that stole his joke, and then he he carries this whole story forward, and he talks about contracts with with you know these media companies, and he ends it basically asking everyone to um, boycott Chappelle's show in certain areas where wow. um, it's being played, like on HBO Max or something like that, right? Where he's not getting paid for it because um, of the way these contracts were worded. Yes awful and uh he he ends up um saying thanks to netflix because he asked them uh, even though they had the rights to play his stuff and profit off of his name and likeness in perpetuity throughout all the universe as he jokes about he said hey will you take uh we take my stuff down and they said yeah um which was a good move good on you netflix
1: it's um, good on netflix it would have been even better if but he can't they would have offered to pay royalties to him because yeah. that would be more cool but it actually it might be written well, that, in such yeah, a, way a way that they, they can't Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not ragging on Netflix. I think that is. It's a good move, but it's also a half measure. Yeah, for sure. But
0: go listen to it. He probably he he tells a uh, he tells a really interesting story there. But um, (laughs) he can't even launch Chappelle's show again because he doesn't own it. Does Does he He, he, by chance
2: talk about the circumstances with which he left the show? In that video.
0: He mentioned he he only mentioned it in... And I'm not sure what you're getting at there. It sounds like maybe there's something underneath it that you know. No, but There's, there's a um, backstory. He, I think like, he basically just said... Yeah, I think he basically just said, look, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And he stopped for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I don't know, Even obviously, the he reasons. He's
0: actually obligated to do it.
2: Right. I would yeah. imagine he is, he was as well. And, and so that's part of the thing. And, and I, I will tell you, I'll just say up front, because this won't sound like a dude, but I side with... Dave on this one. Cause we're on a first name basis. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, is with that show in the middle of, I think it was the third season. He basically just disappeared. He just stopped mm-hmm. doing it and was just gone. Just left. I mean, he basically left the country like fell off the face of the earth. He, yeah. he yeah. did quite literally. Okay. and he just, he just up and left. And so he doesn't own the rights to the show. That's not the reason um the, the, the reason why he doesn't own the rights to the show is what he's talking about is crappy contracts that probably took advantage of him, which maybe right, I would argue yeah. is his lawyer's fault. But
1: nonetheless, well, I mean, nonetheless, um, I mean it, it, It's, it's interesting. good enough to get that done and the money to support it. But Absolutely. Most, most creators don't, certainly not when they're starting
2: out. And so, and that's why I'm I'm saying I'm siding with him on this yeah, because yeah. we don't know the circumstances with which he ended up in this position. But he does have a lucrative contract with Netflix for stuff he's doing with them today. So sure. that's another context I think it's important to know that he does have a a current business relationship that is active with Netflix. Uh, so they they're both they're they're taking care of effectively an employee to some degree, you know, which I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point, too, because I wonder if that was leverage used to sort of get the favorable outcome of the content they owned, right? Cause, he, I, I he made mean, it
2: sound like he didn't really do much. He basically just asked them, and they did it so that he would – the quote I saw was so that he would feel better. Uh, and I'm using air yeah. quotes here. Like That's what, that's what I said saw in the, sh- in the news. That's
0: what he said in the show. He said for them to go to the point – because he just didn't feel good about that show being on there and him not getting paid for it. So he just said, hey – would you mind taking this down? And they said, "Sure, if if us doing that makes you feel better, then we'll
1: do it." That's interesting. So I don't know. I, I wish it. there was more of that. I wish I wish it didn't need to be regulated, and that companies could just act in good faith sometimes. And the predatory contract writing, especially for content creation, I know there are good arguments on the other side, right? That there are things that producers and you know the studios are doing to bring value to their artists, but. Sure. There there is a limit to which they should be able to squeeze so much out of someone and it's not and as, abuse, easy yeah. as just saying well if you had a better contract review process then you wouldn't have got screwed so bad. No. No, because you started at sort of the worst possible scenario and then the only reason you see some people come out of this is that they get successful enough to renegotiate contracts going forward but their early content is basically does nothing for them i just i don't know all of it, it it is such a screwy industry and it's it's broken i think in a lot of ways and that's yeah I guess it's multiple industries right it's music it's games it's um uh, yeah taylor movies, swift great. was
0: in the news recently for something like this i yeah. think somebody somebody owned the rights to her original album or set of albums or something like yeah. that right and then they resold it. it right resold it but not to her
1: mm-hmm. she wasn't even allowed to bid on it as i recall Oh, really? Because wow. I actually read something about that because it, it caught my caught my eye. I I don't. was in his weekly bowling about... magazine that he got. That's where <laughs> yeah. he read the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know very much about Taylor Swift. I really couldn't even tell you what her music is. But I saw that headline and so I I dug into it. So, the the thing that I found really interesting about that was. The individual who sold it, um, and I, I forget what the relationship was—some previous manager, producer, something like that—in in this sort of contract ball of wax. But um, she was not allowed to bid on it because to bid on it, she would have had to sign NDAs about every, like, all kinds of stuff. Apparently, and and specific to like the relationship, Here's the process, the, the rights. Yeah. It's it weird. Here's the headline.
0: Yeah, so the music manager acquired the rights. Yeah, so I guess uh, Scooter Braun is the guy's name. Sold her catalog. Uh, so the music manager acquired the rights to the pop superstars' first six albums as part of a deal with her former label, Oof. Big Machine. Now he has sold them to the investment firm, Shamrock Capital. And I think she was talking about re-recording them all or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Would that give her the rights to it, it if she re-does the it, same thing? Apparently, it would. Stuff?
1: Because it got into that. It's the same
0: music, right? It's the same song.
1: I think it has to do with the the contracts and the way that they're written, right? Like if she reproduces that content, she may have rights to continue using it. And that means she has creative license to to make adjustments to it. But it was actually interesting because I feel like it was the comment section of whatever I was reading, but it got into why that probably wouldn't do exactly what she wanted it to. Now she's made it more public, so there might be just a contingent that leans that way. But basically music mastering, she's not going to be able to completely recreate the the original in the same form or fashion, right? It will change. Doesn't mean it couldn't be better even uh, from an audio perspective, but it will never have the same sort of uh, nostalgic weight as the original mm. mastered recordings that it had. So it's it's still like always going to be sort of a point of contention in an island, which I, it's just, it's a curious oh, topic. Oh, here
0: we go. So, according to a note posted on social media by Swift, we've gone full gossip now. Here, uh, <laughs> she has given an opportunity. She was given an opportunity to be a quote partner with Shamrock, the ones that bought the albums. Uh, according to a person with knowledge of the offer, Swift would have been able to invest money in the purchase and become an equity partner. Again, this is her own album, so <laughs> I, I'm already like losing my mind at that sentence. Uh, but Swift said she turned it down because, according to her note, Braun's deal allowed him to continue to profit off her work. So that became a non, non-starter for her, right? That Scooter Braun would continue to profit. I have no idea who Scooter Braun is. Uh, b- me like, I mean, personally,
1: I'm not going to lie. I don't know that much about Taylor Swift either. Like I said, I, I don't if I had to pick them both out of a crowd, I'd, I'd be at a loss. Well, whatever. I'm just saying, <laughs> I think I
0: think if you saw Taylor Swift, you would recognize her. Mm, OK, I'm Maybe. thinking so, too. Maybe. Anyway. All right. Is that it? Are we done with tech news? Are we just doing uh, pop music <laughs> news now? We, I, we, we, I do, I do have to have go,
2: but I will, I will state one thing um, because we haven't had an eSports update for a little while. So maybe I can close it with an eSports it. update. Okay. Um, and maybe maybe even a quick story that I've, I wanted to share uh, based around Halo that Tyler and I were texting about the other day, and I don't think I've ever shared. Uh, with with you guys so one is uh valorant which is uh, a, a game we've talked about it's came onto the scene recently uh, by riot games they run league of legends the largest eSport in the world they are formally announcing a global season um for to start in 2021 for their esports uh for, for valorant eSports which is great one thing the esports lack if you aren't if you're not familiar is a lot of them don't have structured seasons like they don't have a you you know st- Beginning of season culminating in sort of this, you know, regular season storylines get built up and then there's playoffs and then end like we do with normal sports. Like a lot of them are just like tournaments throughout the year and it's difficult to follow anything. Kind of like golf. Kind of like golf. Yeah. In fact, I I oftentimes compare esports to golf in, in that regard. And so... Perfect comparison. Well, they are they are actually putting a structured league together, which is expected just because of the the way they run League of Legends. It's not quite the same. It's not a franchise league, but they're going to have events uh, going throughout the year that sort of culminates in a championship, and then it will have a, a proper offseason. So that's great to see. That's a really good thing. Uh, so that's the the Valorant side of things. The story that I wanted to share though was we were talking about some funny things Tyler and I were about Halo back in the high school college days. And it reminded me of a time my dad used to own this land center. Uh, so land center, for those that don't know, is a place you go. It probably has 15, 20, uh, you know, network connected PCs that can play games and you can pay for time. So you could buy a couple hours and then go play Counter-Strike on the PCs. That that land center was in Allen. And this was back when Halo 1 and then eventually Halo 2 were, were very popular. Well we were playing halo 2 on xbox live at the land center because my dad had a dedicated t1 running into that thing and back then that was a really big deal yeah it was it was awesome well there were obviously local kids from allen and they're like hey i'm gonna call my buddy he's gonna come up here and and he's gonna play on halo (laughs) we were just like okay uh he goes he's the best player in allen I mean, it was like there was this super (laughs) serious tone to this kid. It's like he is the best player in Allen. And it was funny because we were talking, Tyler and I were talking about how you never really knew how good you were, at least back then. You, you might have been good amongst your friends, and either yeah. your friends were really good, and when you played online, you were, you were still really good, or your friends were terrible, and you realized that you were terrible when you started opening <laughs> up the pool. Yes, so I could, we didn't really know what to think uh, about this best player in Allen coming here, but it was a bold claim, and we didn't really care. But it was a couple hours later, and <laughs> these people show up, and it's just one of my favorite moments in gaming history for me when this kid walked into the land center and it was like midnight by the way wearing sunglasses with his controller draped around his neck with like <laughs> wow, an like, a, tra- like a boss like, like, like a boss walked in and he's like so what are we ready to do this or what <laughs> <laughs> and we proceeded to absolutely demolish this kid like I just he, he, he got absolutely destroyed. I mean, we were we were a sponsored team in this time. So it was just uh we were pretty good at the game. I mean we traveled what was the around year? and played. What year was this? Two thousand four, probably. Okay. okay. I want to awesome. say. Are you all ready to yeah. do this or what? <laughs> yeah, just I mean, straight up walked in. It looked like he was I don't know, a member of an Sync band, and he was posing for a shot. He walked in, paused, <laughs> looked around, couldn't see anything clearly because it was pitch dark and sunglasses on, and had his just, the controller, the image of it, the controller being draped around his neck was my favorite thing that I've ever <laughs> seen someone walk in and make an entrance with, only to proceed to get absolutely wrecked. I'm talking That's like hilarious. Team Slayer games and that go to 50. It would be 50 to seven. We'd play Capture Whoa. the Flag. It would be three to zero oh, in man. four minutes. I mean, we just dominated every wow. aspect of the game. And you can imagine, man, we're kids. Some,
0: like, Capture the Flag. And it, the Capture BTF. the Flag. In, Halo, in person though
2: favorites. like at a LAN yes. when you can see the person that you're dominating and you are no. you are 17 years no, old hurts. you are you are spewing some words across the table <laughs> it was up the uh, TVs
0: back to back linking the xboxes oh, oh man yeah.
2: throwing things up like you should have left the controller draped around your neck <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it was it was a guys. good time yeah. I, I was talking to Tyler and I was like, I don't think I've shared this story. I think it's good for the podcast. So anyways, kids, do not walk in to a video game competition <laughs> oh, with your gear draped around your neck. It doesn't look cool. People are going to target you and they're probably going to beat you. So and the short humble. version of that there. is
1: check your ego.
0: Yeah. Be <laughs> humble. Let your game do the talking. That's, That's right.
1: right. 100%. Wow. Well, on that note. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Today was an interesting episode full of passion, a little, uh, little hater aid, a little love for the game, all of that. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. Thank you for being our listening public in general. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will probably talk to you next week. Later.